Hi-ho, and welcome to Agitate, a safe or not-so-safe place for creatives and friends to speak their minds over a hot or cold beverage. Hi, everybody. Today we're in Toronto. We're speaking with local photographer Chris Chapman. We're talking to him about uh, some Toronto Film Festival stuff he's been working on and some nostalgic stuff back in the past, back into the 90s. Great guy, known him for years, wonderful, great, interesting talk. So here we go. So here with Chris Chapman in Toronto. Hi. (laughs) It's been a long time, Chris. It has. Studio looks great. Thanks, Rob. It's quiet, quiet today, though. It is quiet today. Yes, we have no rentals today, and I'm not shooting. But you've been busy? Busy summer for you? Uh, busy, yeah, pretty busy. And the studio's been busy um, with quite a few different, all sort of all over the map projects I've been working on. So, um, yeah, it's been nice. It's been a nice pace, but it's it's always the busiest time is usually sort of mid-summer and then end of summer, beginning of fall, if you're catering to um, people that shoot for retail businesses, yeah. especially. Christmas. Yeah, it's, it's always fall and Christmas that are the heavier seasons and the most shooting involved, which means, you know, the studio is usually picks up as far as business um, then, which is great. And we have regular clients that sort of keep coming back so far every year. And uh, so we always know that time of year is going to be probably our busiest. And for me, I can usually bank on being fairly busy that year, that, that time of year. So, and... Uh, it also coincides now for me with TIFF, so which has become a, a bit of a, you know, um, very stressful. The film festival, yeah. Yes. The How many years have you been doing this? This is only the second year, but uh, cool. I, I hope to be doing it, uh, you know, every year going forward if uh, things continue. So, uh, what kind of challenge was it? How many people do you have to go through? Oh God, this year was a lot more than last year. Um, I really. We probably have to cover at least 40 films, at Mm -hmm. least. So you're looking at 10 to 12 films a day, and with each film comes usually, you know, two two to five people. Usually there's a director, a couple of actors, actresses, um, sometimes a writer, often there's a producer. So that involves group shots, single shots, and then we try and do something that's... um, particular to the film in a different scenario so that it's uh, because we have a sort of meet and greet area where it's just sort of documenting who came by which is used on web and then we go on to a more editorial uh, shoot which uh, is sort of I try to sort of tailor to each particular film that's being shot Mm -hmm. especially if they are getting Oscar buzz and luckily the publication that I work for um, for TIFF uh, their sort of mandate is to cover uh, movies that are vying for Academy Awards. So we may not get the big blockbusters like, you know, X-Men and, or anything else that's, that's sort of maybe having a big commercial um, premiere at TIFF, mm-hmm. but we will get those movies that are getting, you know, either maybe have, have gotten initial uh, buzz in Europe at Cannes or at Venice, the uh, uh, case in point this year was Nocturnal Animals you know Tom Ford was oh yeah yeah, yeah. they unfortunately I didn't get to shoot Tom Ford because he 
we were supposed to shoot him, and then he had to leave the day that we were going to shoot him because he had won the award in Venice. And I think he went to accept it. So we didn't get to shoot him, but that's the kind of thing. So you're going to get these movies that are, 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 are definitely vying for Oscar nods. So this year we had quite a few of them. So that's always exciting when you get to... Uh, you're usually dealing with a certain a certain type of actor, a certain caliber of director. Um, you'll get the, the sort of up-and-coming directors that are, you know, probably going to become huge directors. Um, and then you'll get, you know, this year I got to shoot Oliver Stone, which was such oh, an I honor. Oh, I saw that, yeah. Such yeah, an yeah, honor. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, very th- thrilling to meet him. And and when you kind of are allied with someone politically, uh, and, and I feel he is a bit of a... Definitely um, someone that tries to educate the public about yes. issues. and Source out the truth. Isn't afraid to go there, yeah. Uh, and um, and he's doing the WikiLeaks? Was that a WikiLeaks? Snowden. Snowden, that's yeah, it. Yeah, Snowden. Yeah. So that was uh, exciting to meet him. And, oh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of How much time did you get with him? Not, not, not hardly any. <laughs> that's why when you do these shoots, you have to be, you have to be, so organized you have to know uh, what you're going to do how you're going to do it ahead of time um, because you will often get less than five minutes if that with these people Um, (laughs) or you will get people showing up late or people showing up early and you will think you're going to have half an hour between two groups and all of a sudden they're both there at the same time and they're ready to go and they don't want to wait around yeah so um, do you have a wrangler from the film festival there, there, oh well there's yeah so there's a whole crew of people there because we're shooting video too so as soon as I shoot the stills they go into another room where they're shot for video segment so it's important to get the stills done as fast as possible so they can maximize their time in the video room but having said that you know you still have to get the shot and you still are you have to sort of allow yourself enough time to, uh, depending on what the person is, who the person is, what they're promoting, you know, sometimes it would be, work to my advantage because uh, a movie would come in and they would be in the video, that movie, would, I would shoot them, they would then go into the video suite and then the next movie would get there early and so I'd have more time to shoot them because they had nowhere to go and they had to wait for their video. So it would, it would allow you a little bit more time to do mm-hmm. the shooting. Um, you know, like when I shot uh, Dev Patel who has came to fame by as the star of Slumdog Millionaire. He is was in town promoting a new film with uh, called Lion. So that was a case where we had a decent amount of time with him and the co-star and you know it was uh, it was a nice pace. Other times literally you get a little minutes, bit more creative with that extra time well, or it's not about getting more creative. Out. I already I, I usually already have my ideas ready to go. It's just about how many time, how many how many clicks do I get on that camera with them? Yeah, like I literally sometimes get 10, 10 shots. It's like the old days of film, right? <laughs> you know, you get ten shots, and if they blink through half of them, or if you're not sharp, so um, you know, it just it, it it's just about having. You have to have all your. You can't get too crazy creative while you're shooting, you kind of have to know what your creative idea is before you even start. Mm-hmm. That's the way I approach it anyways. I don't so have what to, was your creativity on it? Like what were you doing, a background or uh, we had we, or? we had different lights. We ha- I, had sort of, I had sort of three or four different lighting setups ready to go for whoever walked in that door. 
and for and then I had I had pop-up sets ready to move in so that cool. every movie was a different set great yeah wow. uh, and that could have just been a background it could have been a, a painted canvas it could have been a you Prop. know yeah sometimes both you know did you have a fair amount of space around uh, to you, shoot it well it was I can, I can show you pictures later you know I probably had about a 12 by 12 foot <laughs> space but then I had a little area where I could I had another set I had a second set ready to go oh, and okay. we also had another area where we like last year when I did this I had three sets so I would have my hero set and then I would take them around and that was literally like that was in that was in a, a bedroom suite at a hotel and they had to take the bed out so I was <laughs> it was a nightmare but um, we got it done and um, so the first set I had Made. I had a set made so that I could move the walls, and it kind of looked. I was trying to kind of emulate Mark Seliger and what he does. Mm -hmm. He always does such great, so much admiration for his shots when he does these beautiful Oscar party Vanity Fair shots, and he'll create these sets where basically they just people just walk in in these outfits, and and he has every all the elements are ready to go. So really, if he has thirty seconds with them chances are he'll still get a good picture because he's put all the elements in to yeah. make sure it's it, it works um, so that was what I was aiming to do um, what I found the problem with that last year was that because it was the first time I was doing this I was thinking of this in terms of uh, a series that would sort of show in one continuous form so I like the idea of and that's how he usually shows his shots it's a series so it's the same environment and slightly different angles and people wearing these incredible clothes but in my case if I was going to show them it would certainly read like a series but they weren't published as that they were often published as individual shots mm -hmm. so you lost the impact of that kind of unifying theme so sure. this year I went a different route, and instead of trying to have a unifying theme for all the portraits, I kind of made every portrait Iconic. individual, yeah. Right? yeah, specific to the movie I was, uh, I was trying to uh, that these people were a part of. Or there were cases where you know I wasn't requested to shoot special portraits of people, and I just did it on my own, you know, and I had to come up with ideas and and and, uh, and think about what was appropriate for this person what would work for this person mm -hmm. or, or, and, and, and this uh, sort of the uh, what we associate this person uh, or this actor or this director or whatever you know sometimes, and sometimes it was just intuitive it, I, didn't, I didn't think overthink it but I just think oh yeah that kind of makes sense and I'd use this or that or this particular thing last year it was more like all the same room and then I would just in, in, interject one prop Mm -hmm. or one specific thing that I thought might help convey a sense of who these people were. But I just decided not to. It became a, a bit of a nightmare um, last year because we were running out of space to store things and I was having to refresh the props every night because I didn't want to use the same prop twice. Sure. And then, you could imagine. You know, and I was doing all Working the Working out of one hotel room? It, well, I mean, I mean, I, it was a two-bedroom penthouse suite, but... One of the bedrooms was the photography studio. One of the bedrooms was the video studio. And then we had to have a green room. And then we had to have, you know, these people will walk in with entourages. Sure. You know, I think when Spotlight came last year, there was like 30 people. Because they were not only it was the actors, the actors were traveling with the people they portrayed in the film, the real life people. Oh, wow. So at one point I had a, I think there's like, 
eleven people in the shot, and that's not to, that's not counting their hair and makeup people, <laughs> their PR people, the you know all the wow. all the all the stuff that comes along. I mean, sometimes that's great because you know you're having these 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 you know already for the most part very attractive people walk in and they are styled and they have their hair and makeup ready to go. There's no waiting around. There's none of that usual monotony and on a, on a fashion shoot where you're kind of, you're waiting, waiting. for hair and makeup. Yeah. So they walk in, they're ready to go. The energy's high. You, you, you're, you're, you're high in the fact that you're meeting them. Everybody's friendly. I really didn't have any bad apples. Everybody's just more than gracious and, 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 and very, very, uh, you know, I think my, my philosophy has always been just to be yourself, be yourself, be your p most pleasant self. <laughs> yeah. And they will be their most pleasant self back to you. No, nobody likes to feel they're an asshole. And most of the people I dealt with, I think, are, are even the big stars. They, 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 they know the score. They're, they're humble. Yeah. And they're there to get the job done. They want you to feel good about it. And, 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 uh, and I want them to feel good about it. And there was many times where people would request to see the, the pictures after. And I, yeah. Know. Did you have anybody say, I'm not particularly happy with? One. And did you reshoot it? Yeah. Or, yeah. And they, it was more, they were happy? It was, it was more about the lighting. She didn't like the lighting as we started, so we modified the lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and but then, it didn't take a lot of time or anything. No, just I just, and I just rolled, worked with her. Rolled with it. I'm not going to, to say. Tough. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not to some. This particular person was a was quite of a certain status, um, a foreign, foreign film. Mm -hmm. You not well known in North America, but quite a commanding figure in Europe. So, I was not going to make her feel, uh, uh, you know, like uncomfortable, or yeah. because you want them to feel good about that 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 there's there's an ease. You get an ease from people when they feel that all the elements are in play, that they don't have to worry about it so much. Yeah. And even then, I always say to people, like, I'm not going to pick a bad picture of you, and I will always make sure you. It looks like you had a day at the spa. Like, yeah. I don't try and I, I don't I don't overly retouch my pictures, but I also am going to make people look as fresh and and good as they possibly can without it looking like a hatchet job, you know. I think mm -hmm. everybody deserves that. And in this day and age, I don't like. I don't think my pictures look overly retouched. I think they just. They just. I try to stay fairly true to what that person's real visage is. But uh, you so, know. how many days did you do this for? Four days. Four days. And then the fifth day. Well, see, it was kind of a bummer because on the last day we were supposed to have Werner Herzog and Errol Morris. Hmm. Hmm. Both people I was hmm. very excited about meeting and shooting. So um, we got the call that Errol Morris was feeling sick, couldn't make it, and then and Werner Herzog, uh, I don't know, something to do with a plane got in late and he couldn't make it. So I emailed them both separately and said, like, I'm going to get my lights takes, set up. <laughs> yeah, you tell me where, when, you can come to the studio tomorrow or I'll come to you. But, you know, these are both men I have immense respect for mm -hmm. and um, admire and would love to meet. And we got responses from both of them. And unfortunately, the Errol Morris thing didn't work out because I got the email too late. And, and at that point, they'd already... But the uh, Herzog's person got back to me that morning and said, yeah, we, we can meet you today at 
So he came, and at that point, all the people I was working with from California had left. So it was just me and him and my assistant, and we ended up interviewing him for an hour on video, too. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah. So it was, so you questioned him? You were doing the interview? I got to interview? do the Q&A. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So it was pretty thrilling. Um and, and per, no stumbling, just like oh yeah. Well, you know, it was it, there. I I, I was I, you know I, I I did the best I could. Luckily, the PR person sort of emailed me the press notes, like the, so they they kind of have a, I guess they send all the people who are going to be doing press interviews sort of a standardized sort of what he said yeah. before an interview. So they had talking points. So I looked through that briefly. I mean I I mean I'm not I haven't seen tons of his movies but I've seen enough of the iconic ones and I've seen uh, like I've seen several of his documentaries that I can sort of I know a little bit about him and 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 his uh his sort of um demeanor uh, his demeanor and and his take on the world and and his certain themes that seem to be you know run through his work have you seen him interviewed obviously oh yeah Yeah. and I've seen him I've seen him I know I've seen him interviewed but I've certainly I mean you see him in his films interviewing people and you Mm -hmm. see him talking you know at length, you know, about de- de- describing things he's encountered or things he's seen or how he feels about something. And of course, and I even asked him about how he feels about, you know, his voice becoming this kind of internet meme. Yeah. Um, because it's, in a way it's, you know, it's, it's, it's an extreme form of flattery, but I can see how it might be, someone might find that slightly irritating or off-putting. But uh, he was good about it. He just said most of the time. I can't imagine he's somebody who's hanging around on the internet much. <laughs> well, he just did a whole movie about the internet, right? He just did a whole documentary about about the, the fact that sort of the way society is changing because of our lack of connection yeah. through the internet. So I think he, I don't think he's, he spends a lot of time surfing Facebook, no. But I'm sure he's well aware of the presence he has on, mm. on the net. And I think that he... Uh, um, you know, I mean, like, I'm like, so, so what's next? He's like, what? I have, you know, five um, films right now. I'm like, this guy is just like so prolific. Yeah. And he's got documentaries going while well, he's got feature films going. Like he had two films at the festival. He had one called um, Into the Inferno, which was a documentary about volcanoes, which, and the guy that he did the documentary was there with him, who was a volcanologist, this British guy. And then, uh, he had a, a feature with Michael, starred Michael Shannon. I think it's called Fire and Ice. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 So he's he's you know, he pumps him out like he's he's he, he's a pretty, and yet such an amazing guy to just sit down and talk about stuff with. And and, and you was got him for an hour. Well, you know, we we shot him for probably um, twenty minutes, and then I probably got, I sat down with him for half an hour. Yeah. Wow. So it was. Uh, and they were, you know, they were just, they were very happy to do it. I could have gone on, but I didn't want to, you know, I mean, they, 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 it was just, you know. And so this is for the festival and the festival would use that interview. This isn't for the festival. This is for a, a, a publication and website called deadline.com. Okay. Which is in, based in California and they are owned with the same people that own Variety. Oh, okay. All right. So it's a sort of more of an industry oriented magazine. Um, it's kind of like uh, it, it, it's it's like breaking news of 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 of, of Hollywood. So mm-hmm. you know, if you're in the industry, it, it's about like oh, it's you the know, CNN Trimark signs seven 
figure deal with so-and-so about this movie or this yeah. project or this person has agreed to sign on. It's all about people wanting to know, oh, oh, they did greenlight that project. I should see if I can. It's about people finding, I think, a big part of it is about people knowing what their connection is to the industry and how they can get connected or knowing that certain things have are going forward. It's just about being in the know within mm-hmm. behind the scenes. But there's also a big aspect for what I do for them is that they do these magazines called Awards Line, which are are sort of um, uh, event-specific publications, let's say, that Mm -hmm. are put out. They're not like, uh, it's not like a monthly. They put them out for specific events or parties or, and uh, they will cover people who are either vying for Oscar nominations or hoping to get Oscar nominations or, and, and as a result, you know, I think or hope to get advertising from those film companies that um, are trying to plug the projects that they are have sure. a vested interest in. Sure. So it becomes, and that's why uh, you tend to get quality people coming to these shoots um, and uh, very uh, and then it was interesting this year because we had a little bit of TV crossover because um, I guess now TIFF has a, has, has a bit of a, uh, of a of a presence with television drama because I don't know whether it's I don't know why they were here but I got to shoot the whole cast of Transparent which meant Jeffrey Tambor mm-hmm. and um Jill Soloway, and who had to just this year, like a week later, won you know best director yeah. of a comedy for the yeah, Emmy. Yeah, yeah, so and he won best actor. So, so you why know, were they there? Did Tiff some has sort of some weird it, crossover? And it has some sort of. Um, I don't know whether it had to do with I don't uh, like the network that they were like. For instance, mascots. I shot the people who are in mascots, and that's the new Christopher Guest film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's premiering on Netflix. But they straight, were straight to Netflix. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but they were still there. Tiff promoting it. So Parker Posey and you know um, Jane Lynch, who was the cheerleader in Glee, and um, yeah. So originally Fred Fred Willard was supposed to be there, but he didn't show. Oh. Yeah, I was bummed about that one. <laughs> yeah, there were some people that didn't show that we were bummed out. Maya Rudolph was supposed to come too. I would have oh, loved yeah. to have met and shot her. I met her. Yeah, I sh- well, I shot her. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's, in California, like briefly. she's so cool. Her and James Franco. Oh yeah, or something. Okay, okay. Just like yeah, red carpet stuff. Oh, okay, yeah. For an opening of one of the companies I worked for. Right. But yeah, she was pregnant at the time, and oh, okay. Who was it? Uh, Getty, one of the Getty daughters, one of the Getty women okay. were there, and she was she was fretting over Maya. Oh really? Oh, you need to eat. You need to eat. Oh you need really? It's okay. really funny. She's like chasing her around with food. Oh, that's funny. Well, she's quite. You know, I just ever since I saw her, and uh, I don't know if you ever saw that movie that uh, Sam Mendes did called Away We Go. Have you seen that film? Oh, it was her and. Uh, the guy that's in the office, John. Oh, Krasnowski. Yes. Or yeah. 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 It's amazing. It's such a good film. It, it was just one of these little little films that was written by um, the guy who wrote. Uh, my mind is going blank. Um, a staggering work of heartbreaking genius. I think it was called. Um, he won the Pulitzer, I believe. Dave Eggers. 
Do you know Dave Eggers? No. Kind of one of these sort of the new new wave of writers, American writers that that a heartbreaking work of staggering genius was his breakthrough novel. It was a sort of autobiographical mm-hmm. about his parents dying in a car crash and him having to raise his younger siblings. Oprah had him like it was an Oprah yeah, pick. I think and that, so. He sounds familiar. And that written, situation sounds familiar. And he wrote the screenplay for Where the Wild Things Are, the Spike Jones. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's just a really cute, funny human little film about this couple that sort of live in the middle of nowhere, and he, his business is uh, sort of some kind of trading insurance bonds or something, something very nebulous, and and she's a medical illustrator and and and. Uh, his mom is played by Catherine O'Hara, and his dad is played by um, uh, Broadcast News star of that show. Uh, sorry, my mind is going. Anyways, it's all right. lots of great, lots of, <laughs> it's just a real great ensemble cast, and it's about this couple's quest to figure out where they're going to live in America. So, because she's having a kid, and uh, they... Um, are trying to figure out where they want to raise their child because they really can they, they can choose anywhere they want. Um, so it's about this sort of odyssey of figuring out where they want to live, and it's just really well written, really well acted, and Maya Rudolph just shines in it. And uh, who'd you say directed it? Sam Mendes. Oh yeah, that's yeah. Right. All right. Wow. So yeah, lots of lots of talent. That was under the radar. I highly recommend it. Yeah. And the, and the music, the soundtrack is all Alexi. Um, He's a Welsh or Scottish folk singer, Alexi Murdoch. Have you ever heard of him? No. Beautiful soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. I just I just loved everything about that film. It was just how, how old? Mm, Couple five years. years. Oh wow, five years. All right. Four to five years, four years maybe, four and a half, five. Yeah. You know, it it got lots of great reviews. It just it wasn't a big hit. Yeah. But you know, um, it had everything going for it though. Like, uh, yeah, I think you'd well enjoy acting, it. Well written, I think you'd well enjoy directed. it. I think you'd really enjoy it. Maggie Gyllenhaal's in it. Um, great. Yeah. Um, yeah, just a really great ensemble cast, and really funny, and really touching, and really moving, and just. Was it set in Middle America? It's set all over. It's about like away we go to Phoenix to see if we're going to want to live there. Away we go to Tucson. Away we go to Florida. Away we go to Montreal because they all. Have, it's about them sort of plotting out where they have friends and family all over North America. Well, we could live here because my aunt lives here, or we could live here because you know your best friend lives here. Mm-hmm. Why don't we go see which one suits us best? And, and she's pregnant throughout this whole. She's pretty traveling. Pregnant. Yeah, she's like <laughs> I think six months, seven months. Yeah, it's like it's, she's pregnant, but she's not. Yeah. And there's just some so it's very, like a race against time well, just, to find just that nine like, months. Because they think they're going to stay in the town where uh, uh, his parents live, played by Catherine O'Hara, and uh, can't think of his name now. Broadcast News. Yeah, um, wish I could remember it. And uh, they basically announced to them that that they're going to go and live in. I think it's Antwerp for two years <laughs> because they managed to fi- find this, like they're exchanging their home and they've retired and it's the dream come true for them. And they're like, just, like they're just the, the younger couple are just incredulous that like, you're actually going to leave a week before I'm about to have the baby, yeah. you know? So there's just this like, well, why the hell are we staying here? We th- the only reason we're here is because your grandparent, the grandparents will be here. 
So, and there's a whole subplot about about Maya Rudolph's parents who were killed when she was leading young. back to Eggers. Well, I, I you know I never made that connection just now, but it probably does. It probably relates a lot to what he personally went through. It's all about her and her sister talking about you know, and she's kind of doesn't she's kind of blocked it out. She doesn't. It's too painful for her to talk about her parents. Mm-hmm. So there's that whole sub sub thing going on. There's lots of there's lots of layers to this movie, and it's just. Cool. It's just a really great love story. Yeah. So I, I recommend it it. It, it. it it is a love story, or is it like the travelogue? It's a travelogue, but at the root of the the, 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 the to me the, the the sort of foundation of the film is this relationship that these two have, and how strong it is, and how you kind of feel like it's a. Uh, they're the only normal ones in the film, kind of. Even yeah. though they're both quirky themselves, you kind of believe in, in, in the love that they have for each other. And it's very it's, it's very hopeful. That's what I liked about it. I just felt like th- these people feel real to me. And if they, they feel, it's like a, it's it's a very uh, human story. So I watch it and see what you think. Maybe yeah. I'm overselling it. But I, I really liked it. And I kind of have it up at my cottage and I make make anyone who hasn't seen it watch it because I think it's just it was just an underplayed movie and an under under underwatched and underseen film so yeah How's the cottage you're up there quite a bit uh, not so much this year yeah um, but uh, I'm going to be going up there tomorrow so yeah it's good Bancroft. it's great yeah it's a great it's a great uh, it's where my great grandparents used to live in Bancroft right beside the so. Canadian Tire oh you're kidding mm-hmm. really used to be a big white house there Oh, yeah? My great-grandfather used to have, like, whatever, a quarter acre in the back growing oh, yeah. vegetables. Okay. I spent summers up there. I think you told me that. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. They had a cottage. I can't remember what co- what lake it was on, but wood stove cottage. Oh, yeah. No That's electricity. I, I don't have electricity, but... But just... Wood stove. Waking yeah. up cold in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's... A, you know, it's... Something, Micah. It, I remember... The steps going down to the to the lake were all oh, really? covered in mica. Oh, well, it is the geology, Jared. This, this the mineral capital of Canada, apparently. Yeah. So I remember peeling off the mica. And yeah, it's it's, looking, it's they have a gem show. I don't think they had a gem show when you were young, but they they have a big gem show. Oh yeah. Here. Yeah, it's like it's like quartzite in Arizona. It's the same. Oh, have you been to that? I've never gone to the show. I've driven just driven. Yeah, but I haven't bought. I'm not that into rocks. That rock I hounds. Make, I would make the the trip, but I have friends who used to sort of uh, boondock in their airstream in quartzite. So that's yeah. how it sort of first came on my radar. I'd heard about the gem show. I think there's a big motorcycle, there's a big Hell's Angels gathering there, or a motorcycle gang gathering there too. At some, certain times of the year, it's a big gathering spot. Yeah. But uh, it's also because there's all this public land and people can just live there for free. I I stopped at it once. At the actual show? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. wandered through. Doesn't and, interest me. Oh, my gosh. It's like uh, like Burning Man for like elderly people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the Bancroft one is nothing like that. But it's just you get to get after it. It's, it's, a, it's also very, to me, it's very... Um, They're probably forty percent rocks, and the rest are like you know, other things that mm. people think that people who like rocks would like. Yeah. So you know, it baseball was, hats and, and yeah, just paraphernalia. Yeah, uh, various yeah. things that I just 
so that, okay, this is kind of more like a just like a bazaar as opposed to a a rock show. But it was interesting, but I, not something I would make the I would make the a special trek to uh, Quartzsite to see. And where's your are you in Scottsdale? Phoenix? Uh, my condo is in Scottsdale. Scottsdale. Yeah. I keep the I keep the the trailer stored in Mesa, which is you know just another suburb of Phoenix. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's the the condo is in Scottsdale. So yeah, it's Arizona again twice a year for me. Usually twice a year. Yeah, I go down to Christmas. And I go down to Easter. Oh, cool. Cool, cool. That's when I because those are usually times I can bank it not being that busy. Yeah. And as I'm getting older, I just I'm trying to allow myself more and more time to go down there. You know, I mean, it'd be nice to be able to spend more of the winter there. Makes do you do road trips with the Airstream? Oh, or? Yeah. yeah. Last year we did. Uh, we went. I don't even remember my friend Pippa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pippa. Pippa came down with her kids. So uh, they came down on Boxing Day, and then we took the Airstream to. We we drove all the way to Malibu. So we went through Joshua Tree. It's not that far. You drove the Airstream in L.A. Um, or to park I, it on the outskirts and. Oh no! There's a well. There's an RV park in Malibu. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. That's, yeah, that's where I took it. Yeah, but I have driven that Airstream many times through L.A. Oh, wow! <laughs> driven it right through West Hollywood. <laughs> I've driven it. It's not that big a deal. Well, it's really not that bad. I mean, you can drive that thing anywhere if you if you're careful. Yeah. It's just, you know, um, the only time I, I brought it is then I went to see my ex-boyfriend, Chris, because um, he was working in Santa Monica and I was leaving town, so I drove it down to Santa Monica. I've driven it to Venice. I, it's, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. Really, it's not. Um, you just have to be patient. It's, traffic is crap, is crap, so it's, it's not like... It's no different than you know having a really big bus. Really, yeah. that's kind of what you're driving. Articulating uh, bus. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it, it's not a big deal, but yeah. I mean, the last time I went there, unfortunately, the, the, the car, the suburban, died. Oh yeah. Well, not full died, but I had the kids with me. Pippa had gone to see her friend, a friend who lives there, who's an actress. Um, and they were going out on New Year's Eve, and I was like, oh, I'll take care of the kids. I want to spend time with them anyway. So I took the kids down. You know, we got into Malibu around 9, had a little rest, took the kids down to Abbot Kinney. Everything was closed. Then we went to Cantor's on Fairfax and had New Year's there, and then cool. I drove them around Hollywood and West Hollywood so they could see the strip and everything. And as we were driving back, literally, I think it was the Fairfax, and or not Fairfax, it might have been La Brea and, I don't know, Melrose, the car just died. Died. Wow. 1.30 in the morning on <laughs> oh, New Year's Eve. So I had to call... AAA? Yeah, towed all the way back to Malibu. Did you find out what, what was wrong? It was something to do with the alternator, yeah. Just running off the yeah. battery and yeah it just because I noticed that the, the windows weren't were sort of slowly going down and then I was like and then the the, the, the dim the lights on the dashboard started to dim I'm like I better get this car back mm. before I could even get it on the highway it just died so it's um, probably good you did yeah in town. yeah it just delayed my departure from LA for a while I was kind of stranded out in, in Malibu for a few days because of course that was on the 
Friday night, and then Saturday, I guess, New Year's was Day. New Year's Day. Nothing was open. Everybody's watching football. Sunday, no mechanic is open. So this, it was three days before I could even do anything about it. I had to go to the airport to get a rental car because no rental car places were open. <laughs> so, and I wanted the kids to at least see it because they you know, I had lots of plans the yeah. next day. So we took an Uber to the airport, got a car, got a car, and I took them to LACMA, and then they left that the next day. But uh, yeah, I went rushed back to LA with an airstream again. And next time I go to LA, I'll be staying in a hotel or an Airbnb. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just too isolating to be out in Malibu with that. You know, it's it's it, it, it was fun the first couple of times I did it because that was the second time I did it. The first time was really fun because I didn't really. I was rediscovering that part of LA, Malibu, and all that stuff, and it was very it was beautiful. It's a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Did you get in the water? You do any oh, surfing or anything? Oh no, I don't surf, but I did. I mean, then Callie, of course, she's from LA, so it's like as soon as we went down by the water, she was just like running in and out of the ocean. So she must have, <laughs> she must have had some sense that she like this was where she was from. I, I got that sense. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, uh, I just, next time I go, I, and I'm, I'm trying to, every time I go to L.A., I try to stay in a slightly different area, so I'm not, you know, I'm kind you of... You do the South Bay at all? Redondo, Hermosa? Uh, no, I know Manhattan. that you, you, you used to live in that area. I mean, yeah. you know, years ago we shot in, for the Gap down there, but that was, that was the only time I've ever really, say, stayed in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, I've stayed in Venice. I've stayed in uh, uh, Silver Lake. Cool. Obviously, West Hollywood, Hollywood, um, Beverly Hills. Yes, but you know, it's it's such a big, sprawling city. It's kind of nice to see the different neighborhoods. Las Feliz seems to be one of the big places people are moving to and staying in now. And, I like Hermosa. Hermosa, of all those, of the three sort of beach communities there, it's probably the most level-headed and sort of middle-classy. Mm-hmm. You know, you can still do things with at, yeah. re- at a reasonable cost. Right. Go out for dinner. And for sure. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. I'm you sure can get true. on the beach and not yeah. feel like you're on somebody else's beach. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. You get up to Santa Barbara or Carpinteria no. or anything? No? No. Santa Barbara's fun. Yeah, no, it's not really my, you know, I mean, if I'm going to, if I would go anywhere, it would probably be go to San Diego or, um, you know, I mean. Uh, What's in San Diego? Uh, not, well, that's where I got Cali. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And, um, From a rescue there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just, I, I've only been there a couple of times and so many people I know love it, um, and it's quite a healthy gay community there. So it's there's a lot of things that San Diego has going for it. It gets compared to Phoenix a lot because it's the same kind of, like it's a big city without sort of a big identity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very livable city, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the last time I was in Santa Barbara was when I visited you when you were living there. You know, I would go to San Francisco. You know, I'd still like to, I always, I love that coastal drive. Yeah. I would like to do the, the, the coastal drive. You know, I just don't know what I want to do with the Airstream. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that'd be another, uh, uh, you know, I've done it. It just, it's just, it's just, mm. at some point you have to, you know, um, the Airstream is, 
you know, and I'm, I'm actually contemplating maybe getting rid of the Earth Stream or at least trading it in for a smaller version. Yeah. Because 28 feet is... Lots. Too much. Yeah. You know, when I first got it, I had this idea this was going to be my cottage on wheels and my friends would come with me and we'd do road trips and all that stuff. And, and, and now I have a cottage and I have a condo and it becomes this almost, it, it becomes this like, oh shit, I better use the Airstream. I feel guilty if I don't. What a waste of money if I What's don't. What's her name? Veronica. <laughs> so, you know, um, whereas, but then to take out a 28-foot Airstream when it's just you and a dog, it seems, A, very excessive. Pulling it behind a Suburban? Yeah. So, like, I'm looking, I'm thinking, you know, it really makes more sense now for me to think about getting something smaller, mm. whether that be like a little Bambi, a Bambi Airstream or like even just a more reasonable length. Something I can hitch onto the back of the car that isn't going to give me, you know, isn't going to be the same kind of drag and is just a lot easier and more portable. Mm -hmm. would, and, you ever, would you ever get like a little camper, like an actual well, vehicle that? I don't think I would, no. I, 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 I like the idea of being able to unhitch. And leave it there yeah. and go into town. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the convenience for sure of a camper like that is great. But, you know, and there's also something about that I like about having this little pod. That you kind of deposit wherever you want. And then you kind of can, if you want to take a, a day trip and see the surrounding areas, you're not, you're not a dragging some big thing behind you the whole time. And you're mm -hmm. also not... Um, wasting a lot of gas how, you know these that's what these, these giant van buses that the seniors all have you know and, but i mean they often will, will tow a car behind yeah. them so but i don't want to get into that you know i i like the idea of, of less of a footprint but being able to but you still want it to be comfortable enough that you can cook in it, you can do, I don't know, we'll see, you know, I mean, I have these, I had these sort of romantic visions of, you know, being able to sort of plot myself anywhere, or, you know, live in that thing and sort of, you know, when I retire, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, just like live off the revenue of the property, my condo here and, and uh, the condo down there and, you know, just kind of be very, be able to just sort of travel around wherever I want to go and have, and still live in relative comfort in that Airstream because it's like having an apartment on your, you know, it is, I don't feel I'm suffering in any way in that thing. Yeah. Except for the shower situation. Showers in it kind of suck. Yeah, a little mini shower, stand up. Yeah, I usually, turn I, I rarely use it. Like I use it when, I, I usually try and use like the public showers at a, at a RV like at the trailer park or mm -hmm. something like that. It's just easier to get a sun shower. I don't have one of those. Yeah. Bags. Yeah. I don't have those. Hanging outside. Um, yeah, it just, it, even, even the toilet, I really use, I tried to not use it. There was, there's a time where I, I was using it all the time. If I am, if I am hitched in, into a, uh, like a, a spot in a trailer for, I'm going to know I'm going to be there for, weeks and weeks yeah I'll hook it all up and all that but mm -hmm. if you're just going to be somewhere for two days I'm not going to bother with that and then you're not worrying about dumping and all that stuff it's yeah. just, it all becomes and we, it's different if I had a partner or a family and we could all do it together but when you're doing it you're all on your own it's just that's why it becomes it becomes more of a it starts to become not fun anymore have you gone up Death Valley with it? no I've gone to Vegas 
I've gone as far as LA. I've gone. I mean, I've gone down the Pacific Coast Highway with it. I, you know, uh, all the way through the Rockies twice. I've gone down to what up to like Washington. Well, no, I got it in Calgary. Like I got it in Washington State. I bought it in Washington State. Yeah. And then I stored it in Calgary for a summer. So I drove it through the Rockies once, and then I drove it through the Rockies again. So it's been through the Rockies twice. Wow. So that's why you say, I mean, Pacific Coast Highway is nothing compared to the Rockies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I and it went through the Rockies just fine. Mm, behind the suburban, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've been down as far south as sort of Big Bend Park in Texas. A few years ago, we went down to Marfa. Do you know Marfa, yeah. Texas? Yeah, we yeah. went to Marfa, and we went to the Big Bend National Park, which is sort of borders Mexico. It's sort of down southwest Texas. Um, I'd like to take it to... I'd love to go to Austin in it. I'd love to go to Colorado in it. I'd love to go to New Mexico. I have a good friend in Santa Fe. I'd like to see him. But then I'm like, well, he's got a great house. Why would I bring the airstream? You know, it's like... Just drive there, yeah. so it, just hotel it for any overnights. Yeah, you know it's like uh, it just uh, the the problem with that is having the dogs. You have to find dog friendly hotels, which isn't nearly as hard as it used to be. But um, yeah, and I have certainly snuck her into a few, but um, generally it's that's not, not an issue. And there there is something nice to know about. I mean, it's great to have the. The great thing about the Airstream is the freedom of just being able to, like, I'm tired. I'm going to just pull over here and sleep for a couple hours. Yeah. Because that happened many times, you know, where you just tired. You just do a rest area or something? Yeah. Rest area. You can pretty much see anywhere. But usually there's enough. And the only thing about that area of America is so RV friendly. You know, originally when I got it, I, I envisioned... Like big parking lots at gas stations and well, stuff. Well, just this RV culture is just a lot more prevalent in the Southwest. You know, mm-hmm. you have trailer parks everywhere. You have you have RV parks everywhere. You don't have that here in Canada. No. You also don't have the like. You can't just park your airstream on the street. You can do that in Arizona. People park their airstreams in the front driveways. Mm-hmm. You can't do that here. And not only you can't can you not do that here, you have to also deal with weather conditions in certain times of year. So. You know, originally I thought I was going to have the Airstream back every year and have it here for my summers, but no, I realized pretty fast that was A, going to be too expensive and B, too time-consuming, and C, where do I store it here? That's what's so great about having it in Arizona is that, you you know, it's not ideal. It's not, I don't have it in a covered lot, but it's still, the sun is not going to hurt it. It's somebody's compound. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not, it's, 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 it's not... To store it in a covered place here, you'd be looking at, at least $200 a month, at least. I can do it for a third of that price in a secure, monitored camera, mm-hmm. you know, place in the States. And you just cover up the tires? Yeah. Yeah, cover up the tires. But even then, the tires, they go, it's the heat, the yeah. dry heat. You know, they don't get a lot of direct sun, but it's, it's the dry heat. That was one of the things when I... When I brought the Suburban in to get fixed, the guy was like, you need to get your tires fixed. You replaced immediately. Like he said, I'm surprised you haven't blown one out already. They are ready to explode. Wow. Like, because I just had them. I said, well, I just had them replaced like four years ago. And he's like, yeah, well, where do you store it? It's in Arizona. So that's why. This the dry heat just makes them crack. Hmm. 
and I am diligent. Okay, when I when I park that car, when I leave it, I like it goes on pads. The tires get covered. The whole thing gets covered. Uh, I didn't never used to, but I do now. I have mm-hmm. been doing that for four years. How long have you had the Airstream? I bought the Airstream in early two thousands, two thousand six, maybe. I had it for about ten years. Wow. Yeah, and because I got the I got the condo in two thousand and eight, because it was the summer before Obama be- became president. Yeah. So. Um, because that was when the housing market was crashing and that was when, you know, I was like, should I, shouldn't I? Is this this time to buy? Is this a good time? Is this a good idea? Um, so that's how I remember it was that year. And I probably had had the Airstream for at least, probably two years at that point. So, you know, I've had an Airstream for 10 years. Like I had, the, like I said, I had romantic ideas about what I was going to do with it and how I would, how I saw my life. But like being able to have the freedom to sort of, but... There's also something about, um, you know, you, you get you get a little like, uh, uh, do I see myself actually giving myself permission to take off in the airstream for six months and do a road trip? Probably not for, and if I do that, it probably won't be for a while. Mm-hmm. And if I do that, is it worth hanging on to this twenty-eight foot airstream? That you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's costing me insurance and storage fees every year for the few maybe I take it out twice a year and maybe for that like for eight days in total is it worth it you know it was worth it for me at one point because I before I had the condo I would go live and I would go stay in that yeah for for weeks you know it's got to be I mean it's it's paid off oh yeah it's it's it's, but for you to rent if you were to get like if you were to only go back once a year or once every two years or something, if you were to rent an Airstream, a smaller Airstream, it wouldn't be worth it either. You no, but what I would rather do is, is sell that Airstream and just get a smaller one because yeah. I'd be more apt to use the smaller one. That's my point, right? If I, like, I'm going down for three weeks at Christmas. Like, so it's daunting to get that 28-foot ready to go and, you know, hitched up and then go where with it and with who or with by myself and what. But if I have a little Bambi that I can just hitch on the back of it, I'll do a day trip with it. Mm-hmm. I could just do an oh, I do an overnight to Sedona in that. But I'm not going to do that for the 28 footers. Yeah. It, that's the difference. You know, it's it, it makes a big difference pulling 16 feet as opposed to 28 feet. Sure. You know, psychologically even it's just. So it's all it's all it's all brewing away up there, but you know we'll see. And it's not, unfortunately, it's not like I don't have it in a place where I can kind of rent it out as a sort of Airbnb thing when I'm not there. Because mm. um, a lot of people do that. They just store their streams in their backyard of their house and they just treat them as guest cabins that they rent out, which is great because a lot of people want to experience what that's like. I would have done that. I would have loved to have done that before I got the Airstream, you know? Um, so we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of... And the other curse about having an Airstream and, 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 and a place in somewhere like Arizona is that you just end up going to the same place every year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you don't travel. So, yeah, it comes down to getting a shorter Airstream that you can yeah, rip over and, to and Texas or yeah, rip and, up to Colorado. and Yeah, and also being be able to... quicker and more mobile. 
But also just being able to give my self permission to go, even though I have a place in Arizona, maybe I don't want to go to Arizona at Christmas. Maybe I want to go to Europe. Maybe I want to go somewhere. You know, like giving yourself permission to see other parts of the world. Yeah. It's very easy to get in. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love going to Arizona. I love going there and just, just it's my place to just ride my bike and eat well and go to the gym and enjoy the sunshine. And, you know, it's just, you know, have you been to Scottsdale? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just it's it's very like easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's very easy, um, and so not that I want to live there for you know twenty four three hundred sixty five days a year, but um, it's a great place to just go and relax. So, but I do find myself thinking, oh, you know, it's like I should be going further afield down while I'm young and I can still enjoy it and do it and stuff. You know, it's it's. What if you parked in Colorado for a couple of years or something? Like bring the suburban and the airstream to a different location, away from your. Condo. Because then I wouldn't have a con- then I wouldn't have a car when I go to Arizona, right? Which yeah, is okay, okay, sucks. But and second of all, I just I am yeah. I mean, where would I store it? Near? I'd still be storing it in just a storage place in Colorado, right? I wouldn't be yeah. storing it in a trailer park. Right, so it's like, and then, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, I, I, I don't see that being viable. It would have to be somewhere that um, I just think I have to think about what my needs are, and what my expectations are around having a sort of some kind of an RV because, you know, I, I've done it. You know, I, 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 I had a dream about having an airstream and traveling and doing road trips in it, and I've done all that. And sometimes it's time to sort of say, okay, I've experienced that now. I want to experience something else, mm-hmm. you know. So and 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 sort of, or at least modifying that experience so that it's it's it something slightly new, so, something, something fresher, something slightly less stressful, because that's that that that's the main thing, reducing stress. I don't want it to be work or 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 this sort of the mental anguish and guilt of I have this thing and I'm not using it, beating yourself up about that. Yeah. Right? Or using it just because you think you have to. You know, because I do like, oh, shit, I haven't taken the airstream in a year. I, I have to take it out this year. You know, it's like, it shouldn't be work to take something like that. It should be something you really no, want to do, right? Look, looking forward to but it. But it's also, it's also something you want to share with your friends. And, you know, it's also, you, I, I, as, as I'm sure you realize, you and I both live a, a life that a lot of people aren't entitled to as far as being able to, you know, uh, uh, people don't have the same flexibility with their, with their spare. Yes. Yes, definitely. Uh, and, and they look at you and they go, wow, how do you do that? Yeah. Woo. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's so, you, when you do it this long, you just kind of get used to the, the, the ebb and flow of that life. Um, but it's also, you know, I'm dealing with like, people who have like a set, a very, you know, Structured. rigid amount of holidays. And they've also often allotted that for years to come. They know where they want to go in 2018. You know, that's all planned out ahead of time, whereas I am very much not like that. I have, like, wish lists of places I'd like, things I'd like to do, places I'd like to go, but I, I don't have, it's kind of like, oh, I got a week off at the end of February, maybe I'll go somewhere, you know, or I, I, I can, allo- and, and I have to say, I mean, it didn't used to be like this. When I first started, I, I didn't have any spare time. I couldn't plan anything. I, I envied those people who at least knew they would have three weeks here. Yeah. They, We're going to France next year. When you're freelance, you can't do that. You know? But 
like you say, you know, you figure out uh, over Christmas. Yeah, you, you got that lull over Easter. You got a little lull. Yeah. And take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, last week it was last week that I decided to come here. No, oh, it was. You know, I went online. Okay. I went online, or sorry, two weeks ago. Went online, seven hundred bucks, direct. Yeah. Yeah. Can't Great. turn that away. No. Doesn't come up from uh, Belfast. From Dublin. Oh, from Dublin. Yeah. So just take the bus down to Dublin. How long direct. Is to Dublin. Uh, well, it's a milk run. It's not the express, so you end up stopping in four or five places. It was express. Hour fifteen. That close? Yeah. You're kidding. Belfast is that close to Dublin? Yeah. An hour and fifteen minutes. Yeah. Oh my god. I had no idea. I have clients. You know, we were talking about this last night. I have clients in Dublin, and the first time I went to Dublin, I had a job in Dublin. I it takes hour and fifteen, hour and a half. Mm-hmm. So, I figure. I'll give myself two and a half hours to get to the location in Dublin. I was 45 minutes late. Oh, God. (laughs) But they have a tunnel that runs from the north side, outskirts of Dublin, under Dublin, and pops you up on the quay side. Okay. Which is where all the agencies are. Okay. So it's great. You know, I got two or three clients who are right there. Right. So I just take the tunnel. It costs uh, 10 euros. Right. You know, yeah. during peak peak periods. Right, right. Yeah. The headache of going through Dublin. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's that close. Yeah. I first couple of times I took the train, but I realized you know, once you get there you're walking and you're yeah. walking and you're walking and you're walking. Walking around with a portfolio and promos, mm-hmm. you know, it gets really old real quick. Sure. After like the second agency, so Yeah, I bet. But yeah. And I mean, how, how are things going with uh, Lucy's Trust? Great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Good. Yeah. This is the year. This is the year of Lucy's Trust, man. Yeah. We got a legacy. Oh, wow. Great. Which was amazing. Absolutely amazing. So it afforded us to take one of the back fields right behind the kennels. Okay. Put proper drainage in the field because in the winter it would always be a swamp. Okay. So we had proper drainage put in, and by the time I get back, hopefully the fencing will all be done. So seven foot high, 45 degree canted tops. Okay. So the dogs can play in this huge field. Oh, great. And, uh, we are so looking forward to it, man, because we don't have that enclosed space. We have mm-hmm. runs, you know, right. 15 foot runs where the dogs can run back and forth right. and they can play. Yeah. And we have three of them and they all intersect. So if, you know, if we have all three open to two or three dogs, they can play between. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's great. They have a great time. Yeah. But, you know, that's to open great. up a huge field, yeah. go out there and throw the ball around. Yeah, I bet. Oh, it'd be so nice. So how's, nice. How's Gracie? <laughs> she's great yeah dude you cannot you can't you could be in the worst mood Chris yeah, the man. worst mood yeah and she's like she's <laughs> like looking at you yeah. eyes are all big yeah. and you just go oh man I've got so much to do today yeah that's so screw it you yeah. go over yeah, yeah, yeah. you go inside and you start playing with her and she yeah. rolls on her back and she's like <laughs> yeah. what's the story behind her uh, a couple of hunters brought her into Olivia's clinic. Oh. 
that they they were out hunting and their Labrador brought back this kit, this tiny fox cub. And they thought instead of leaving it right there where they should have, they brought it home and bottle fed it. And and their mother found out that they had a fox in the house. She lost her mind. So they they turned it into Olivia's clinic. And I mean, we have one wildlife place that would take foxes but they're pretty saturated. Yeah. Like they've got like four or five or six foxes there. Right. So we brought, we took her on when we lived in a, a subdivision, like right. in, a, in a house. Right. And we gave her the living room. Okay. Which, yeah. <laughs> you know, you leave the house, you're driving How away from the house. How old was she when you got her? She would have been like mm, 16 weeks. Okay. You drive away from the house. You look back at the house, and she's in the in the in the front window, just tearing like the couch apart, oh, or like no. there's a pillow flying, feathers in the air. Oh, no. She destroyed a couch, like ate the whole couch, gone, like oh. tore it apart. Oh. But then when we got up to the farm, she lived, she lived in the cabin with us at night, and then we had like a big um, dog kennel like a huge dog kennel wooden Mm -hmm. dog kennel with an open face where she would go during the day and play during the day and that got expanded after about one year I expanded it into a full habitat right so it's uh, I think pictures like 25 feet by 18 feet by 14 feet high okay it's got ivy growing in it right she's got a little two-story condo yeah Uh, uh, a kid's children's slide that okay, I've put carpeting okay. on yeah, so yeah. she can run up and down. And yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Does she interact with the dogs at all? Well, when she used to live in the house, she used to. Yeah. But we got more population in the house. Mm. So when she went out into her habitat, there's a couple of dogs that used to come in and out. Annie, the dog that mm-hmm. kind of is a little bit bigger than Callie, mm-hmm, but the same mm-hmm. sort of hair. And Frank used to play a little bit with her. When Frank was small, Frank is a greyhound lurcher. Right, okay. Or a saluki lurcher. Yeah, okay. But now that he's bigger, he doesn't go near her. But Annie still plays with her through the wire, oh, okay. through the fencing. Yeah, yeah. They have a great time. Yeah. And Grace, she and and then we have a Jack Russell who is in an adjoining kennel to hers okay. and shares yeah. about 10 feet of wire, okay. wire fencing yeah. with her. And they play through, they chase each other back and okay. forth. Okay. So no aggression? No, no, okay. no, no, yeah. I just wasn't sure what the relationship was like between... We have a... I we mean, have hounds, a... Hounds, how would hounds react to her? Well, yeah, all the sight hounds are fine with her. Really? The one dog that's kind of little miffed over her is, is a big bulldog, a big, like, British oh, bulldog. Okay, okay. And he, he, hasn't, uh, he hasn't gotten it yet. Right. He doesn't understand the the relationship. Everybody else is totally cool. Okay. Like they'll go over and bark at Grace and she'll come over and tease them. Right. And they run back and forth and mm-hmm. but he he's overly oh, interested. Cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Yeah. But I'm sure he he'll he'll get it. How big is she? Like how much She's is she uh, weighing? She'd be a little bit bigger than Jack Russell. A little bit heavier 14 than fourteen pounds, sixteen. Yeah, pounds. probably something like that. Teeth, yeah. teeth and nails. Yeah, <laughs> you know you get you can play with her for about five minutes, maybe yeah. maybe ten minutes, and then yeah. the switch goes. Oh, really? And then the teeth start. They, she doesn't break your skin, no, but she'll but, yeah, she'll like, like a get a little does. bit more aggressive, yeah. and 
yeah. the, the hind legs will start scratching. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, but when she was young, yeah. oh, really? our, Olivia and my arms, our forearms were just riddled. Oh, really? Riddled. Yeah. Yeah, she must have been cute when she was little. Oh, yeah. And the noises. Oh, yeah? Oh. Like, you know, she does like a stranger. Right. You know, she's wary of something. Right. She just scream, really? scream, and it like pierces across the farm, right? Bet. Yeah. And then she does her like, gag, 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 gag. right? Yeah, yeah. Some great, great funny sounds. Yeah. That's cool. Good girl. Yeah, that's pretty cool to have a fox. Well, we've also. In the past year or so, the place that does have the foxes, the wildlife thing, and unfortunately the woman was quite elderly who yeah. ran the place and she had to be put into a, a home. Oh. So there was a big concern over what was going to happen. Okay. So I actually volunteered, you know, if there's any foxes that needed homes oh, okay. or needed to yeah. be relocated that, you know. You guys could take them? We would, work, we would try to work it out and make, yeah. you know, of course, thinking of Grace all the time yeah she's got to get along with them first and, yeah and otherwise it might, be, it might be companion well i don't know are foxes are yeah they, yeah like, definitely definitely like, we've always had our eyes open for another companion for her. always I sure if foxes were more solitary or if they were more like wolves like pack animals they, uh, i think they like to have the companionship maybe yeah. one yeah you know but, but one they're other not person. they're not they're not big social family no i don't think they, they, they don't they're they don't more, fly around in half more, dozen foxes yeah. or anything yeah they're more like solitary yeah whereas wolves aren't but the life expectancy of a you know a captive yeah. fox is you know like 12 14 okay, years yeah compared yeah. to a year and a half in the wild is that what it is in the wild a year and a half oh my god yeah they don't last wow i didn't know that so i'm quite happy to have grace there yeah yeah and and like i was saying with this other place you know if it came to it and they were having issues for these half a dozen that they had there i would figure out a way to put another sure. habitat in yeah yeah i mean we have the space make yeah. it work sure But that's Grace. Then we have 23 dogs in kennels, 17 dogs in the cabin with us. Wow. Uh, about six or seven cats, three kittens living in my bathroom. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Ten chickens, three horses, okay. one Shetland pony, yeah. one full-size sheep, wow. one lamb. Oh, you got the whole thing. <laughs> That's kind of cool, though. Yeah. I definitely fantasize about having a selection of animals as I get older, but I also realize it's a lot of work. It uh, starts at 5.30, yeah. ends at 12.30. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready for that kind of And it could also, you know, give or take three or four hours on either side. Sure. That's what I mean. I mean, to do it properly, you have to be really dedicated. Yeah. And I don't know whether I have the dedication. Um, and you got to know a good vet. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I you know, I, I guess I fantasize about having a goat or a, something like that. You know, like a smaller domestic. Up at the cottage, or no, no. Or this is this is like a fantasy life of uh, you know having a retiring farm. Yeah. somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Having just having. don't get a billy goat. Why? Wow, you'll never be able to fence them in. 
You'll oh. never be able to keep them because they escape. Right. And oh, they stink. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Somebody was trying to pawn a billy goat off on us a couple I don't months even ago. Know what a billy goat is compared to a goat? Just a male goat. Oh, a billy goat. Oh, that's what that means. So get yeah. a female. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, they you climb. Yeah. They oh, climb that's what shit. I love about them. <laughs> watching them climb, and watching them do their little, their little, their cute little jumps. And I mean, they seem like really intelligent little creatures. But I mean, they'll eat just, anything. Yeah, I know. Chew on anything. But so do the horses. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can't have a good car, I mm-hmm. can, like because paint. Besides the dogs, you know, I I drive onto the property and. You know, ten dogs will come racing up to the car right, and sure. jump on the car and just sure. scratch the hell out of the yeah, car. Yeah, yeah. But the horses eat the car. They'll eat all the oh, molding really? around oh, the windshield. They really? ate, they they took off the antenna a couple years ago. Wow. They just go right uh, Apache, one of the cor- cobs. Wow. Wow. Where did the horses come from? Um, one is Olivia's childhood pony. Oh, okay. And then she she bought a horse years ago. Okay. That's Casanova. Okay. With the intention of breaking him and, okay. and riding him, but yeah. never has. Okay. And then uh, Apache came from Olivia's uncle who passed away and okay. had no place to go, so we took that on. And then last summer we got a phone call in one of the smaller towns a little further west from us. In a subdivision, there is reports of kids throwing rocks at a Shetland pony. Oh. There's a pony in a in a field. Okay. And wild is you oh. know, okay. you know the gypsies had her and let her oh, loose. Right. And okay. So it took Olivia four days to get this pony. Wow. And she had a volunteer with a horse box come, and they both were working to get this pony. Wow. But she was so scared, and she was in full, and so finally got her, got her onto the trailer, got her, got her there, and she was like literally ready to pop. Wow! And I think it was like three or four days she was there, and then it was stillborn. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, little tiny gray. Oh, yeah, it was so yeah. heartbreaking, man. Yeah. Heartbreaking. I bet. And how's she doing now? She's great. She's yeah. an asshole. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Barbarella. Oh, really? Total, like, rules. Oh, yeah. Molly Molly is, is Olivia's original pony. Yeah. She's, like, 28. Okay. She sort of, you know, looked after the two boys, Casanova and Apache. Right, right. You know, and anytime she couldn't be seen, mm-hmm. those two would go, and go right, crazy right, trying right, to find right, her. Right, right, right. Now that Barbarella's in the mix, yeah. you know, Barbarella's trying to get Molly's position. Oh, I see. But they start running, dude. It gets windy. You know, it right. gets windy out. And the horses start running across the fields back and forth. Right. Besides it being absolutely gorgeous, yeah. it's so funny to see this Shetland horn right. going behind him, like little legs moving as fast as she can, trying to keep up. Very cute. Yeah. And then the sheep, you know, the sheep are chasing. Do you have any pigs? No, no, no pigs. pigs. No. Talked about, you know, they come up every once in a while for rescue. Yeah. But mm, yeah. I think we're happy with the sheep and, yeah. you know, we've got a system down. Yeah, sure. If it came up and somebody no needed. No birds? 
uh, we had we have twelve chickens, oh, down, chickens. To, down to ten. Two passed egg, away in the past. Egg layers? Yeah. Yeah. But okay. we don't eat the eggs. So. Oh, you're vegan, right? So they go to the dogs or back right. to the chickens. Right. Okay. Okay. Huh. Got a polytunnel last year. What's that? Like a greenhouse. Oh yeah. Ten foot by twenty foot. Oh cool. So yeah. nice. Started growing vegetables. Oh yeah. How's that? <laughs> chaotic man chaotic yeah. yeah I planted all the seedlings yeah and I was away for a couple of days yeah so Olivia took it upon herself to plant them in the in the raised oh, beds in the, in the, okay but she planted everything oh, <laughs> so okay. you planted, don't know where everything is well we planted way too much and all the labels right wore off the the trays oh. so we didn't know what so now I've got a jungle of tomato vines right you open up the door and it's just like tomatoes and there's right. some onions back there and right. there's some kale over there it's growing it's great yeah i gotta i gotta deal with it though when i get back yeah that's good yeah great trying to get off the grid good eventually yeah with solar solar and wind yeah doing both yeah. gonna do both gonna do the battery thing yeah just be done with like it. like elon musk battery thing uh well i'm gonna go to the home homemade one. Oh, okay yeah you can do it for a third of the price his 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 big power wall yeah yeah oh you can yeah. okay it's not that difficult okay. i mean it's really it's it's just laptop batteries right you okay. pull a, you pull apart a laptop battery yeah. and there's individual cells in there right you just you just make an array of all these right. cells and right. you right. can test them to see which ones work okay cool buy them on ebay oh neat don't know if i want to take that on myself but power to you if you do well dude any other questions no <laughs> okay all right <laughs> okay great thanks rob what an interesting guy great chat with chris chapman today uh, thank you very much everyone for listening and i hope you have a wonderful afternoon wonderful morning wonderful evening and a wonderful life listen to you soon thank you bye-bye